Hello and welcome to My Daily Trivia. I'm your host, Danny. Today's Friday, September 15th, and I hope that you are having a wonderful day. Happy Friday, everybody. It's finally the weekend. I hope you had a great week. I hope you're looking forward to an even better weekend. Now, if this is your first time listening, I, of course, want to say welcome. Welcome to My Daily Trivia. My Daily Trivia is a 10-round quiz show with no specific themes, topics, or categories. But we do have a new episode every day, Monday through Friday, and each day gets progressively harder. So, of course, today is Friday. It's the end of the week, and it means that today is the hardest day of the week for us in terms of trivia. might be the easiest day of the week for you since you're knocking off work and starting the weekend, but as far as trivia goes, it is the hardest day of the week. Now, as always, if you find this episode to be a bit too challenging, well, I encourage you to listen to it anyway. Uh, as a matter of fact, I encourage you to... Uh, to listen to all episodes, but you can always take the weekend off and check in again on Monday where it's going to be easier. Then again, if uh, if you find this to be a little too simple for your taste, well, congratulations, because this is as hard as we make it. So without any further delay, let's get into today's round of questions with question number one. What are the first six digits of the number pi? And those first six digits are 3.14159. Now, the number pi is a mathematical constant that is the ratio of a circle circumference to its diameter, approximately equal to 3.14159. It's repeating, so there's far more digits than just that. The number pi appears in many formulas across mathematics and physics. It is an irrational number, meaning that it cannot be expressed exactly as a ratio of two integers, although fractions such as 22 divided by 7 are commonly used to approximate it. Now, I actually knew a kid when I was younger who could recite pi to, I think, maybe like the hundredth digit. So he would rattle it off 3.14159, and he could keep going to about 100, maybe 120. And he kept memorizing, kept adding to it. Uh, quite frankly, I found it useless, but uh, impressive nonetheless. Uh, so what I can tell you is that the first six are 3.14159. Moving on to question number two. Robert Morley played the title role of what witty 19th century Irish playwright? And that Irish playwright is the only Irish playwright that I know, Oscar Wilde. Oscar Wilde, the movie, is a 1960 biographical film about Oscar Wilde. The plot primarily focuses on the litigation surrounding Wilde's libel suit against the Marquis of Queensbury and the subsequent accusation of Wilde's homosexuality. This was one of two films about Wilde released in 1960, the others being The Trials of Oscar Wilde. They were both released around the same time in the last week of May 1960. So once again, that witty 19th century Irish playwright is Oscar Wilde. Question number three. 
what does the acronym UNESCO stand for? And I'm going to spell that out for you. That is U-N-E-S-C-O. What does that stand for? And that acronym stands for the United Nations Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization. UNESCO is a specialized agency of the United Nations aimed at prompting world peace and security through international cooperation in education, arts, sciences, and culture. Headquartered in Paris, France, UNESCO has 53 regional field offices and 199 national commissions that facilitate its global mandate. Now, I've always heard of things like UNESCO World Heritage Sites, but I never actually bothered to look up the acronym. So once again, that acronym for us all to remember is the United Nations Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization. Moving on to question number four. During the 19th century, a British hat fashion trend nearly led to the extinction of one of the North American aquatic mammals known scientifically as Castor canadensis. What common name is associated with this mammal? And that aquatic mammal is better known as the beaver. A beaver hat is a hat made from felted beaver fur. They were fashionable across much of Europe during the period from 1550 to 1850 because of the soft yet resilient material that could be easily combed to make a variety of hat shaped, uh, including the familiar top hats, much like the one you would see on Abraham Lincoln. To make the felt, the underhairs were shaved from the beaver pelt and mixed with a vibrating hatter's bow. The matted fibers were then pummeled and boiled repeatedly, resulting in a shrunken and thickened felt. Filled over a hat form block, the felt was then pressed and steamed into its shape. The hat maker then brushed the outside surface to a sheen. Now, if you've ever heard of the term mad as a hatter, that term actually comes from the people who would make these hats. Part of that process involved using mercury and the mercury would affect the person's um, the person's ability to function. It would uh, it would make them go a little a little crazy, I guess you could say. And that's where the term "mad as a hatter" comes from. It comes from the people who worked with the mercury to make these beaver felt hats. Moving on to question number five: Whose sister defected to America in 1964 because she was in opposition to his policies? And that person was Fidel Castro, our, uh, our neighbor to the south in Cuba. Now, his sister, Juana de la Caridad Juanita Castro Ruz, is a Cuban activist as well as the sister of Fidel and Raul, both former presidents of Cuba and Ramon, key figure of the Cuban Revolution. 
After collaborating with the Central Intelligence Agency in Cuba, she has lived in the United States since 1964. After leaving Cuba and arriving in Mexico, she gave a statement that said, quote, I cannot longer remain indifferent to what is happening in my country. My brothers Fidel and Raul have made it an enormous prison surrounded by water. The people are nailed to a cross of torment imposed by international communism, end quote. So that was the sister of Fidel and Raul Castro, the, uh, the dictators of Cuba, and her name was Juanita Castro Ruz. Moving on to question number six. What word means of unsound mind and is strictly a legal term and not a medical one? And that word is insanity. Insanity, madness, lunacy, and craziness are behaviors performed by certain abnormal mental or behavioral patterns. Insanity can manifest as violations of societal norms, including a person or persons becoming a danger to themselves or to other people. Now, in United States criminal law, insanity may serve as an affirmative defense to criminal acts and thus does not need to negate an element of the prosecution's case, such as general or specific intent. So for that reason, it can be used in a court of law. Once again, that is insanity, uh, something that was probably being shown as some of those beaver hatters, as I mentioned. Perhaps people who are mad as a hatter could also be defined as insane. So that was question number six. Uh, moving on to question number seven. Who are the mom and dad? What are the names of the mom and dad of the Disney dog scamp? And Scamp's parents are, of course, Lady and the Tramp. Scamp is a canine Disney comics character, the son of Lady and Tramp, all of whom appear in the 1955 animated film Lady and the Tramp. Scamp is featured in comic strips and comic books of his own since the 1950s, but it's in the final scene of the film. Uh, the dogs have a litter of puppies, including three girl pups who look like Lady and a mischievous, restless boy pup who resembles Tramp. Now, the names were not given in the film, but uh, evidently, I guess they, they had that puppy, and they went on to name him Scamp, probably something similar to his father, Tramp. So, that was Scamp, son of Lady and the Tramp. Moving on to question number eight. What song, written by Bruce Springsteen, was a hot number for the Pointer Sisters in 1979? And that famous song is Fire. That's it. That's the title of the song, Just Fire. Now, Fire is a song written by Bruce Springsteen in 1977, which had its highest profile as a 1978 single release by the Pointer Sisters. The first single by the trio of the Pointer Sisters, that is Anita, June, and Ruth Pointer, Fire was recorded for the group's November 1978 album release, Energy 
with Anita Pointer on lead. The song was also released by Robert Gordon and Springsteen himself. Now, fun fact, Bruce Springsteen actually envisioned this song, the song Fire, as a song which could be recorded by his idol, Elvis Presley. It was written after Springsteen saw Presley perform at a May 28, 1977 concert at the Spectrum in Philadelphia. Springsteen went on to say that he, quote, sent Elvis a demo of it, but he died before it arrived, end quote. Another fun fact, this is actually one of the first songs that I learned how to play on the guitar, mostly because it just has, uh, if I remember correctly, it just has two chords. So it's quite simple for a beginner guitar player. Now, in my opinion, thinking back to uh, to that song, I know that song well, and it does seem like it would be a pretty good Elvis Presley song, in my opinion. So it seems like Bruce wrote a pretty good song, not only one that I could see being sung by Elvis Presley, but one that also gave the Pointer Sisters a, uh, a number two hit. So that was Fire by Bruce Springsteen as performed by the Pointer Sisters. Question number nine. Who is the naturalist that founded the Sierra Club in 1892 and has a redwood forest named after him? And that naturalist is John Murr. John Murr, also known as John of the Mountains and Father of the National Parks, was a Scottish-born American. He was a naturalist, an author, environmental philosopher, botanist, zoologist, glaciologist, and early advocate for the preservation of wilderness in the United States. In 1892, John Murr and other supporters formed the Sierra Club to, quote, make the mountains glad. Now, John Murr was the club's first president, an office that he held until his death in 1914. Murr's Sierra Club has gone on to help establish a series of new national parks and a national wilderness preservation system. Now, I remember reading about John Murr one time. One little tidbit that I liked about him is he would go out very early in the morning before anything else was awake, and he would document the first birds that he would hear in order and the times that they woke up which is uh, quite meditative when you think about it. Could you imagine that, going out in the dark, listening to see what birds wake up first and documenting it as they went? Quite a man. And I like his nickname, too. His nickname, John of the Mountains. It's pretty good. I wish I had a nickname like that. Danny of the Mountains doesn't sound quite as good. Also, I can't copy his. I'm not a naturalist. In any case, that's John Murr, the founder of the Sierra Club, and also evidently has a redwood forest named after him. With that, let's move on to the final question of the day. Question number 10. Which European monarch, known as the Sun King, is famous for his long and powerful reign, which included the construction of the Palace of Versailles in France? And that is Louis Fourteenth written out in Roman numerals, that is Louis XIV. Now, Louis XIV was king of France from 1643 until his death in 1715. His verified reign of 72 years and 110 days is the longest of any sovereign. 
which is quite impressive. Although Louis XIV's France was emblematic of the age of absolutism in Europe, the king surrounded himself with a variety of significant political, military, and cultural figures. Of course, he's also famous for the construction of the Palace of Versailles in France. Now, it was actually his grandson that was later decapitated with his wife, Marie Antoinette. That was Louis XVI during the French Revolution. But prior to him, the Sun King, another good nickname. Look at that. Two good nicknames in a row, John of the Mountains and the Sun King. Well, that's quite impressive. So once again, that European monarch, Louis Fourteenth. So that's going to conclude this round of My Daily Trivia. If you found this round to be simple, well, congratulations. This is as hard as it gets. You should pat yourself on the back for having such a successful round. However, if you did find it quite, uh, quite challenging, I tell you what, take the weekend off, relax a little bit, come back to us on Monday. It's going to be the easiest day of the week. We're going to ramp it up as we go. Once again, I want to encourage all of you to tell your friends, tell your family to take a listen to our show. We're always trying to grow the community here at My Daily Trivia. I want to thank all of you again for listening to My Daily Trivia. I'm your host, Danny, and I will see all of you on Monday. 